Holiness doesn't change. God doesn't change. The standard doesn't change. So that's the standard. What should that standard produce in us? It should produce in us urgency, a sense of passion and a sense of movement and a get after it because I need to get to where God is. Holiness. It can be a difficult word to absorb because it almost always speaks to our weakness in demonstrating it. Well, the truth is, we will never be able to be fully holy until we're in heaven. But we can choose to seek God's power in pursuing holiness each day. Let's take a look at that here on Living a Legacy. Our Bible teacher is former pastor and author, Dr. Crawford Loretz. Crawford is at the beginning of his new series, Navigating Life's Challenges, based on 1 Peter. Today's message looks at the hope of holiness. By the way, the messages we feature on Living a Legacy come from Crawford's years as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. Now in retirement, Crawford heads Beyond Our Generation, a ministry leadership mentoring program. His books include Make It Home Before Dark, Unshaken, and Your Marriage, Today and Tomorrow. Well, if you're not able to stay with us for all of today's message, it will be available on our website at livingalegacy.org. Let's join Crawford for today's Bible study. Again, our text is 1 Peter chapter 1. The book of 1 Peter is all about suffering. And the first message I talked about just gave a little bit of backdrop of the book. It's one of these wonderful books where really the reason for writing the book is right there in the first couple of verses. Uh, it's written to believers who have been scattered around out through, through the five provinces of Rome, and, and they were under persecution. As I said earlier, that, that uh, the Romans tolerated the Jews, and they didn't come after the Jews, and they didn't, uh, for obvious reasons, a lot of them were political in nature. They needed some alliances and allegiances with the Jews there in what is now known as Israel. Uh, so they wanted to placate them in their leadership. Not so with believers. Once this new thing called the church came about and these folks start converting to Christianity, this thing called the church, because it grew so fast, became a threat to the Roman Empire. They presented Jesus Christ as Lord, and they didn't want to worship the emperor of Rome. And with that came persecution, aggressive persecution. And so they came after these believers uh, with a vengeance. And so they were uprooted from their families and from their locations and from all of that and scattered around these five provinces. And Peter is writing them to give them hope, to give them a sense of firmness and uh, assurance that, that, that suffering, yes, yes, is a gift from God. It is, it is a privilege, but that God is with you. And he's helping them to overcome and to walk through all of this. And so the very first message we dealt with in chapter 1, uh, uh, beginning of verse 3 down through verse 12, it talked about our inheritance and, and uh, what that's all about and how our, our relationship with Christ is priceless and precious. And Peter reminded them of the foundation of what they have. And by the way, whenever we go through suffering, whenever we go through a hard time, you got to focus on what can never be taken from you. What is always the same, what cannot be rattled, what cannot be shaken. In so many words, Peter is saying, look, God is not up in heaven sipping Malox over your predicament. He's not rattled. He's, not, he's got options. He knows what's going on. And not only that, you need to focus on that which is permanent in your life. And I say that to somebody here today, you're going through that, and again, you need to be called back to that which is permanent. Now, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, 
he moves from that discussion and he talks about holiness. And at first glance, when you know the occasion of the book, you say, well, why are you talking about holiness? These people are suffering. What's the relationship between holiness and suffering? In fact, I'm going to give two messages on holiness because it's a two-part thing. He actually, the, the, the theme of holiness is picked up in chapter 1, verse 13, but it goes all the way over to chapter 2, verse 12. And we're just going to cover chapter 1 today. The title of the message is The Hope of Holiness. So why does he talk about holiness? And I think the, 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 the answer is very, very obvious. And that is that pressure and suffering have a tendency to cause us to relax or to wander away from what really matters and what's really important to us. Sometimes suffering will breed discouragement and you cave into your circumstances. You cave into what's around you. You can get to a place where, well, why me? Why is this happening to me? You know, I didn't do anything to deserve this. And if you're not careful, you can get very lazy. You can create this defeatist mindset. And so Peter was concerned about this. Uh, let me back up and say some very direct essence things. And I, my tone has got to match the text here. This is a very sobering passage. Now I'll say it. Too many of us are more concerned about our personal freedom than we are about our personal holiness. And as you read this passage, you, you, you back up and you think, you know, uh, too many of us are concerned about asking the wrong questions. We're asking questions like, how can I get, what, 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 can I, what am I allowed to do as a believer? How close can I get to the edge? And too many of us are declaring our freedoms. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I want to I strike the balance here. But there is this kind of like false grace movement that spells grace as permission, and so, you know, we're, we're all about finding out, well, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this, I can do that. Mature people don't ask that question, though. It's not so much what I'm free to do, but the larger question that we've got to be concerned with, how do I best represent the one that owns me? That's the question. It's not my freedoms, that's the question. The question is, how do I live consistently and how can my life best reflect the relationship that I have with God? And that's what Peter is talking about. And we're called to stay clean in a polluted world. And that's what he's, under, he's sort of like underscoring here. So, no, I know you're, I know you're, away, from, you're away from Jerusalem. You're away from uh, the context and from the large church there. You've been scattered abroad. All kinds of things are breaking loose here. You're in unfamiliar territory. New jobs, new home, new environment, and all this other kind of stuff. And your great tendency is to cave into your circumstances and your environment and reflect the stuff that's around you. But I need to remind you that no matter no matter where you're located, the calling is the same. Some of us need to hear that. that. No matter where you're located, the calling is still the same. We're called, no matter where we are, to be clean in a polluted world. And that's not optional. A lot of us guys have white shirts. It's sort of like the foundation for a wardrobe, right? You got white shirts. So, 
I, had the, I shouldn't confess this, but I, I, had, I had these white shirts, and so not long ago, I got some more white shirts. Well, you know what happens when you've had white shirts for a while. If you, you know, had them laundered and starched, you know, they hang up there, and uh, something happens to them. And I got the new white shirts and hung them up in, the, in my closet and looked at the other. I said, oh my gosh, I've been wearing dingy yellow shirts. That's what happens to our Christianity. When we're not careful about looking at our lives and looking at how we're living and looking at our choices and keeping our eyes on the standard of holiness, we get dingy. And I'm pressing into stuff that we, you know, we've heard just the opposite. God does not exist to come and identify with where we are and change who he is in order to accommodate our reality. Did you hear what I just said? God does not come down, change who he is to accommodate our reality. There is some teaching on grace that would suggest that kind of um, dysfunctional relationship. That somehow or another, I am the center of my Christianity. And so where I am, uh, there's mercy and grace. And so I'll just redefine mercy and grace as obliterating the standards of God and the nature of God. And he comes down and identifies with where I am. Well, in a certain sense, he does identify with where we are in a sense of taking us to where we need to be, but he doesn't change who he is in identifying where we are. He doesn't change the standards of what holiness is all about in order to, in order to identify with who we are. And that's what Peter is talking about here. Um, Peter has an interesting way of writing, although it is somewhat sequential. The centerpiece of what Peter is saying here is not revealed or unmasked until verse 16, when he says, be holy, as I am holy, quoting from Leviticus. And so this whole section is about holiness. And let me give you a very baseline definition of holiness. Uh, you can get very complicated about it. There's some theological nuances and this kind of thing. But from a practical, transferable perspective, a baseline definition of holiness is simply this. Holiness is to surrender to the very life of God within us. That's what holiness is all about. It is to surrender to the very life of God that is living inside of us. Uh, Paul said it this way, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and do of his good pleasure. The emphasis is on the presence of God, so therefore you work out that salvation. And so holiness has to do with surrender to the very life of God within us. And, and so in this text, Peter is reminding us of both the standard of holiness and the power of holiness. The standard of holiness and the power of, of holiness. Holiness should produce something in us. And here in verses 13 through 25, I think Peter spells out the four products of holiness or what holiness should produce in us. And I just want to walk through them. The very first thing Peter says that holiness should produce in us is urgency. Urgency. Again, the thesis is this. Holiness doesn't change. God doesn't change. The standard doesn't change. Purity doesn't change. God's not going to bend it. He's not going to change it. It doesn't change. So that's the standard. What should that standard produce in us? It should produce in us urgency. That is a sense of passion and a sense of movement. And I get after it because I need to get to where God is. 
urgency. There are two subpoints here. The first is this urgency focuses on a clear focus thinking, clear focus thinking. Look at verse, uh, verse 13 says, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice the line, he says, prepare your minds for action. Um, there's a notation there, if you're reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, in the original text, and I wish they would have translated this way, literally in the Greek text, it reads, gird up the loins of your mind. I actually prefer that better because it, it, it's more graphic. It's, it's an illustration that he's using. And I, and I guarantee you, all these readers that read this, yeah, they got that. You see, back during the time, of, uh, the, uh, during Peter's time, uh, people in that part of the world, and they still do to this day, many, uh, many of them do, they wear, men wear these robes. And they have these big belts on. Now, what Peter is saying is, that, look, 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 look. Just like if you're in a hurry, you've got to run, you've got to walk up some stairs, you've got to run down some stairs, you've got to go get something. What they would do would take the, the fringes of the skirt there, they would put it together and then stuff it inside of the big belt. And so what he's saying to the, the, to the readers is, look, 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 look. Check out how you're thinking. Pulling the loose ends of your mind. Holiness requires personal examination. What are you thinking about? How are you viewing things? What are you dwelling on? We all will ultimately act on what we're dwelling on up here. Eventually, our thoughts will tell the truth about us. So Peter is saying, look, 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 I know, I know you're suffering. I know you're under persecution. And I know you want relief here. But as never before, you need to pull in, pull in the loose ends of your mind. And in context, he said previously, you know, you're going someplace, you're going to heaven. Pull in the loose ends of your mind. Can I just ask you how you're thinking? What's going on in your head? What thoughts are you dwelling on? What are we allowing to occupy our minds? What awful negative conclusions are we drawing about people, or coming to about people? Is there lustful thinking? Peter understood the relationship between thoughts and behavior, thoughts and behavior, thoughts and behavior, thoughts and behavior. He said, look, you, you got to think right. Then he talks about the relationship between the future and your behavior. He talks about setting our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us through Christ. There's a relationship between hope and holiness. There's a relationship throughout the Bible. One of the classic passages is found over in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. He says, you know, we, we, we're going to be changed. We're going to see him. We're going we're to be like him when we see him. And then verse 3, interesting verse. He says, everyone that has this hope in himself purifies himself just as he's pure. Peter is saying your behavior is determined in relationship to the clarity of your vision about your future. Where are you going? If you're going there, then you need to act now like you're going over there. There's a relationship between hope and holiness. When I was a campus crusade for Christ for those years, I traveled a great deal. And I remember those early years on all these uh, campus towns and things like that that I'd be speaking in. And, 
You know, the budget was tight, so sometimes I'd have to be gone a little bit longer than I would like to in order to make the trips pay for themselves. And, but when I traveled, you know, our kids were small. I had this picture in my briefcase. In every hotel or motel that I would go into in these college towns, the very first thing that I would do would take the picture out and put it on the mirror. It was a picture of Karen and our, and our little kids at the time. And the reason why I did that was to remind myself who was waiting for me at home. And to remind myself that I'm one decision away from stupid. And so when I'd walk out of that hotel room, I'd look at that picture. When I came back in at night, I'd look at that picture. These people are waiting for me at home. They love me. They trust me. So Crawford you need to act in a trustworthy way. And I think that's what Peter's saying here. That's what holiness is all about. Look, you, 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 you need to think right. You also need to know that you're going to go see him and you're going to be like him. Somebody's waiting for you over there. Make sure that when you get there, you're not embarrassed when you arrive. Part of our problem is, is that we think that this is a payoff down here. We, we, we've lost our vision of heaven. I said this in the first message on Peter that, you know, some of this stuff is kind of like irrelevant. I, I, I really believe this in my gut. I, I believe that, you know, I can't put a number on it, but I, think, I believe the vast majority of Christians uh, do not believe viscerally in the literal existence of heaven. We act as if this is the payoff down here. But Peter is reminding us we're going to that place and it does exist it says, obedient children, in verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. The expression obedient children, I think he's referring to, just like children tend to be easily influenced and shaped in a positive way. There should be a childlike nature. Our thoughts and our minds should be responsive to God. Be willing to let the spirit of God and the truth of God's word mold and shape our behavior and our responses as obedient children. So he says, look, you're here. You can't be passive about your holiness. You got to be urgent about this thing. The second part of this urgency has to do with God honoring living. Thus, he says here in verses 15 and 16, this is the point. He says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Peter doesn't allow for any wiggle room here. There's no parentheses here. There's no, oh, gradually let's kind of get there. But I think what Peter's doing here is that he's calling for decision. The word holy, literally, literally, the word holy comes from a Greek word, agias. It means literally to set apart, to take this and put this over here for someone else's use. That's, that's the teaching of holiness throughout the Bible. You go and you get this and you pull it away from that context and you put it over here and you designate it for this use and this use only. So when the Bible talks about holiness, what it means is, to, is that we are to be set apart for God's exclusive use and pleasure, period. To be holy means to be set apart exclusively, exclusively 
for God's use and for his pleasure. There's no compartmentalization. Or if I would say it another way, um, to the follower of Christ, there's no such thing as the secular or the sacred. We don't bifurcate our Christianity. And I know practically speaking, many of us do. But in the Bible, Christianity was never meant to be bifurcated. Christianity was never meant to be segmented. Christianity was never meant to be divided. Christianity was never meant to be part of our lives. Our relationship with God was never meant to be over here, and then we have these other relationships over here. No, the relationship with God is everything. There is no sacred or secular to the believer. None whatsoever. I glorify God as I play golf, although you might not believe that when you see my game. But I glorify God when I play golf. I glorify God when I eat my dinner. I glorify God when I play with my grandkids. I glorify God. There, there is no segmentation. There is no separation. And that is our problem. We think separation and segmentation. But when Peter says, no, we got to be holy in all things. And also, I think what he's hinting at here is that nature determines appetites and decisions. He's going to say in verse 17, he calls God Father. So in context here, what he's saying, be holy as God is holy. He's quoting from Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 and 45. Be holy as God is holy. Now, this is, also, this is two things. This is, also, this is a command as well as an embedded promise. What do you mean by that? Well, first, the command is this. Look, you're to be holy, Crawford. Be holy. That is a statement of your identity. And so one is you need to decide to be who you are. I, this sounds crazy, but I, I got to tell you, a, a lot of us who struggle with life controlling sin, we struggle with strongholds in our lives. We struggle with these things in our lives. Sometimes and I'm not, and please, I'm not being, I'm not saying that, you know, addictions are not, they're, they're, they're real and these strongholds are real and this kind of thing. But some of us will never get victory. You know why we won't get victory? Because we've not decided. We've not made the decision that I am to be holy. So we'll waste a lot of money on counselors and rehab and all these other things. And we have to make a fundamental decision. If this is who I am, I need to embrace who I am. God declared that I'm to be holy. Dr. Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy, the hope of holiness, the title of today's message. We'll get to the second part next week. Crawford is at the beginning of his new series called Navigating Life's Challenges, based on the book of 1 Peter. As believers in Christ, most of us agree that the Christian life doesn't guarantee a trouble-free journey. In fact, many of God's most dedicated men and women have undergone tremendous challenges. This series will help us apply biblical principles that will give comfort and assurance when the tough times come to us. If you weren't able to hear all of today's message, listen on our website. Look for the past programs link. The audio is available anytime. Your emails are encouraging and help remind us of how God is using Crawford's messages to challenge listeners in their journey of faith. Now, maybe you've listened for years but have never checked in with us. Well, just a few sentences will help assure us that living a legacy is a valuable part of this station's broadcast schedule. Simply email us at legacyandmoody.edu. Well, thanks for joining us today. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Living a Legacy is a production of Moody Radio.
a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.